Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. At 83, Dick Gregory remains an active comedy legend, logging more than 200 stand-up gigs a year. Gregory changed the game in 1961 when he performed at Hugh Hefner's Playboy Club in Chicago, and the notoriety of becoming the first black comedian to play to white crowds let him soon thereafter become the first black performer to sit on the couch with Jack Parr when he was the host of The Tonight Show on NBC. His 1963 autobiography was a bestseller, and in 1968 he received the fifth most votes for President of the United States as a write-in candidate. He has remained politically active and topical to this day. In fact, Dick Gregory sat down with me this weekend in the green room at Caroline's on Broadway before going on stage and told me not only about how racism impacted his life and career decisions before comedy, but also about how Hugh Hefner changed his life. And finally, his thoughts on the passing of Muhammad Ali and whether he thinks it's prosecution or persecution of Bill Cosby. He's as thought-provoking as ever. So let's get to it. One, two, three, one, two, three. Sounds good, Mr. Okay. Dick Gregory. So thank you for sitting with me before your show here My at pleasure. Caroline's. Thank you. Uh, the first time I saw you in person was in 2002 in Aspen, Colorado wow. for the HBO Comedy Festival. Oh, yes. yes. They were honoring you and a few other people uh-huh. for freedom of speech mm-hmm. because it was just a few months after the 9-11 attacks. Mm-hmm. And at that point, people wondered, could we still make jokes? And that was 14 years ago. And you're still making jokes. Well, babies laugh. Mm-hmm. That's not controlled by a bunch of thugs. You know, the greatest laugh you ever had didn't come from a professional comedian, friends and relatives. Oh, Pete's coming by for Thanksgiving. Tell the same joke all the time. <laughs> Right, my parents do that all the time. My grandfather did all the time. See, comedy is a disappointment with the friendly relations. That's all. You hit your hand in the car door. Boy, I think the world's coming to it. And then two days later, you with your friends. Man, I can't believe I was this stupid, man. Did you know what I did? Right. You have children? I do not. Throw the baby up. And then when you catch it, that laugh, you do me again. See, the disappointment mm-hmm. is there. But if I went in, there is no disappointment because the child don't know me. The child's never seen my face. Right. So it can't be a disappointment with a friendly relation if they don't know me. <laughs> and so so comedy is a time. And people hear you on this show and they say, well, I think I can do that. No, you can't. You make it look easy. You always do that. You know? Everybody in their trade if they practice enough. So that's what that's about. Timing. So for instance, when Kennedy got shot in Dallas. Right. Up until then I thought that nothing could ever take the place of comedy. But we got through those first three days because no radio played nothing but music. Music, 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 music. And now you and I can put a show together and in 
walk in here and said, couldn't be he could be that stupid president of the United States and go to Dallas. And then with the humor, you start saying, and all the Secret Service was with him. And then you go through all them fallacies of questions. Uh, let me ask you something. What's your birthday? Uh, September 26th. Okay, September. Yeah. In America, we give the month, not the number. Mm -hmm. huh? Why did they say 911? 911 tells your brain to be scared. Right, that's the number to call for an emergency. That's right. right. So if you walked in the house, your mother was on the phone, your brother, your sister, who you call 911, your face changed. They, they know what they're doing. In America, because we're so ignorant and so hateful and so mean that all the stuff that's happening now, we miss it. All the stuff that's happening now, we miss it. America is like a person go to their doctor and said, check if you find cancer, I don't want to know it. It's America. Which, which came first in your heart and your soul? Was it humor or was it activism? No, you, you know, I was a baby. You knew activists when you're a baby. At right. what time, huh? Yeah. Did the awakeness come? Nothing to do with it. was always funny. I was, the, I was the life of the party. They had juvenile gangs back then, worse than they are now. They see me coming, they move on the other side of the street. And people used to pick on me because I was skinny. I, I didn't know where my daddy was. And then one day a friend said to me, said, man, listen to that shit they saying. That's some funny stuff, man. So then I'd go to school, and I'd take the same stuff, but if I used it first, mm -hmm. then you couldn't get the audience. That's how I learned it. When you went to school, you were going for, for track. No, right? I you went to school like everybody okay. else. When I went to school, I went to school at Five years old, you don't go for no. Oh no, I mean when you when you went to no, college. No, but you didn't though. say that. Okay, you didn't say that. You said I went to school. Sure. You know, be careful what you say because I listened to the everything. words. Yeah, words. Yeah. Context has meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you were, I growing, read about a thousand dollars worth of newspapers every twelve days. Not because I believe in them. I look for the crack in the fabric. When you were growing up, what was your what was your dream of what your adult life would be like? You had no dreams. See, see, as a white man talking to a black man, no goddamn dreams, man. 98% of the black folks that went to school didn't finish high school. Huh? What kind of dreams did we have? And that's why the biggest seller is the class ring for high school. Because nobody's going past that. That's what that's about. You know. So growing up in the 1940s, you didn't... Nobody aspirations did. were were not part of the picture. Aspirations were getting your job where your daddy or his uncle worked. Stacking boxes and, and lifting stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is when I went to college, I came back. Nobody's going to hire somebody for summer work and train them. So I came back in and I go like this. I go to Campbell Soup. And they give us a little lecture. We'll fill out the application. If we need you, we'll call you. So 11 o'clock, I'm still sitting there. 
My boss said, uh, why are you still here? Uh, I, I, I said, I'm waiting to fill out the application. How come you didn't fill? I can't read or write. That's what they're looking for. Hmm? None of this. So they fill out the application. They go back in the back, you hire today. So I want to find out who the foreman is. He's an ignorant white boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm brigging. So I get with him. He think I'm dumb, and I start changing the sheets and showing how to do it. Not me. This is a game. Then when I came to Chicago, Ford Motor Company, but they was making 105 millimeter houses for war. And uh, was this before or after you were in the army? After. Okay. Um, so I come back and happen to hear him say, God damn it, who do they think they talking to? Oh, the big man's scared. Hmm. So he said, yeah, they, damn it, they said, if we don't have an, a nigga engineer by this evening, we cancel, they're going to cancel all our contracts. I heard that. So... Can I help you? I said, no, somebody told me he was hiring Negro engineers, and that should come out. He thought God had touched him. (laughs) No tests, no questions. Next thing I know, I got a clipboard and one of them jackets. And everybody just think I'm a genius. Because if these racist bastards hired a black engineer, he must be. That's how I did it. You look at what they're going through. And, and if the universe has happened yet at the right place at the right time. So now here's what happened. One of them rockets blew up. The engineers had to come. Mm-hmm. That's $600,000. So all the white boys wanted to talk to me. They know my shit was going to be right. And that's how I got my answers. There was a little meeting. I said, well, what do you, what do you think? Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, everything they got there, I take a little bit from this. That's how I send my papers in. That's that's showing your wit already. Yeah, but I'm knowing saying, knowing how to yeah, uh, yeah. read people, how to yeah, how to play the game. Oh, you fighting for your life. Yeah, you know. And oh, so what happened? One day I was on vacation. One of the missiles blew up in the testing room. They couldn't find us. Well, Dick Gregory be here next week. So, then I understood power. Hmm? I go in, they're all waiting for me. Oh, welcome. Down, down, down. See what we're working on today. It's okay. Uh, y'all can't find nothing? So I'm in the room where it blew. And it's soot and stuff, so I reach in my pocket, take out a penny and drop it on the floor and then grind it in and then find it. And to this day, they thought it was the penny. Hmm. So they put new laws across this country. Hmm. Nobody can bring change into the workforce. Hmm. <laughs> just, just for that. <laughs> That's yeah. a legacy right there, even before comedy. Yeah, but you see, you said it's a legacy. Yeah, it wasn't to me. Just never going to work. 
you know, with a bunch of motherfuckers that didn't like you. Right. But they was fighting for their life. How, how did you take what you learned there and translate it into when you first started comedy? See, you keep looking at it as comedy. That's you. I mm-hmm. didn't. I was like that every day. Since you woke up every morning, you ate. So all of us, you the biggest shifter and shifter in the world. How did you didn't? You was eating like everybody else. You don't have to have no damn right. restaurant to eat. You don't have to go to the movie to laugh. I did. I resented white comedy because it was always bullshit. They was putting the woman down all the time. I knew nothing about women's rights. Hmm? Then I realized one thing. If Liz Taylor decided she's going to be a comedian, she cannot talk about unattractive women. Unattractive women can talk about beautiful women and ugly women. You leave weight. Hmm? If everybody knows you come up hard and worked hard, you can talk about poor folks and everything else. Rockefeller's son won't be a comedian. He can't do that. Hmm. So your leeway is limited to who you can be. Now, you can tell jokes about rich folks. Right. But not. And so little by little, I, I, I didn't know nothing about no comedians. I didn't even know that black comics couldn't work white nightclubs. I didn't know that. You know? And then you start figuring out stuff. And I said to my wife once... I said, any black person with money owe themselves a million dollars worth of treats just to start unmessing up their mind. Hmm? Just to start. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I have ten children. And the reason I'm listed in the phone book, never had a bodyguard. I was working this black club five dollars a night. You could come in and order a bottle of beer, and sit through three shows. I refused to do the same show to the same people. Right. So I developed me three different pieces, you know. It's a good work ethic to have. No, well, I always have, had to, that. White I mean, folks make you have that. They ain't got nothing to do there's with plenty you. Of, there's but plenty I'm of saying white folks make you have That's why they laugh at niggas. Why you, why you come to work late? I can't tell you about the rest of them, but I come to work because the later I get here, the longer I keep my dignity, and the earlier I leave, the sooner I get it back. Hmm? When uh, McDonald, Hattie McDonald, mm-hmm. was the first black woman to win an Academy Award for supporting acting, and she said, Mr. McDonald, with your genius, how do you feel bad with these maid parts? She said, I'd rather play a maid than be one. So one day I hit it big, the biggest thing in the world, and I met her. And I said, you know, let me tell you what I think about you. 99% of black women was maids. Then they never gave some pussy to an agent to get a bad script and never had to do drugs. And you say to my mama, I'd rather play one than be one. You think about the nasty stuff you did out here in Hollywood mm-hmm. to get a cheap fucking part. And then look at these black women to feed their children would never stoop to some of the stuff you did. And so when you start looking at it and, 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 and seeing it, I never wore the same suit. I had no money to buy no clothes, but I had clothes for that. And then one day... 
They had a, a, a guitar player called Dick Guitar Red. That's who they came to see. The Shake Dancer. Mm-hmm. So then I made a deal with the audience. I said, uh, I'm the MC. You don't laugh at my jokes. I'm the one that have to introduce Liz the Body Beautiful. <laughs> so you, you, you listen to myself and don't laugh and see if she's coming on. <laughs> <laughs> so what I looked at, that these black folks listen to me when I wasn't funny. When they got through listening to me, I was so funny, they'd push me all the way downtown where they couldn't afford to see me. Hmm. So that's why I have to go back. That's why I go back. That's why I find it I go to them. Hmm? You know, most entertainers and athletes, they're not freedom fighters, and nobody white would make them one. And you see, there's a white world that's strange. They don't send comics to the front line. We got the mightiest military history. They didn't do it with comics or entertainers or athletes. They did it with hardcore soldiers, man. That's simple. But when it comes my turn, mm-hmm. oh, that's good for you. No, it's not good for me. You know, I look at all these cops killing these black folks and white folks sympathy, but if they was killing white folks' dog, they'd burn the police station down to the ground. So when I look at them, look at me and look at a dog, I know who they are. I watched it. Yeah. I look at white folks, man, hire a nanny to change the baby diaper, but walk their own dog and pick up the dog shit. I know how they feel about that. Something way down inside of them, something wrong. Something wrong. I mean, that's, if you take a newspaper, mm-hmm. run your dog and trying to make it behave and keep slapping, it gets hostile. We're hostile too. But white folk don't understand. If you live here in Harlem, about 96% of all American flags sold in America is two weeks before 4th of July. Go in the black neighborhood and see if you see them. They never like this country. But they'll lie to you. Tell you all, America the beautiful. No, mm-hmm. when did it get beautiful? President said, God bless America. I said, well, Hitler and that said the same thing about God bless Nazi Germany. Y'all crazy. And then you start seeing things. If you keep voting for the less of the two evils, one day you end up with the evil of the evil, if there's any God at all. Okay? The evil of the evil. I got to get a babysitter. This guy over here been convicted for raping three children, this one a thousand, so I take the one rape three. It's the lesser two evils. How, how much does this, since you're bringing up politics and elections, how much does this remind you of the upheaval of 1968 when you did run for president? No, the upheaval was George Wallace. When he came north, he got a different type of racist. He came north. That's what Trump is doing. He might not yeah. know it. That's all he's doing. That's that's why I ask. But it's good because it shows folks around the world how ignorant white folks are. That would tolerate that. They just thought that was George Wong. If you do any research, or you can take my word for it, <laughs> in the Tuskegee, the city, in the 60s had a black man. Hmm? John Ford. Married to a white woman, 1961. Who was the white woman? 
George Wallace's sister's daughter. White folks have always used ignorant poor white folks as a trick. Mm-hmm. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, I did. Huh? It's a game. And it's played off on these ignorant, stupid white folks that don't know they're stupid. Say, so we'll have to give them, just give them a nigga to play with. And now they say, hey, you can't play with me no more. Yeah. And so the other day, two weeks ago, when they put this black woman on $20 bill. Right, Harry Tubman. So I'm looking at it. So the first seminar I do, I said, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. No black folks had anything to do with it. What do you mean? That's what I said. Look at the picture. If black folks would have had anything to do with it, it made her a little bit lighter and made her look like she came from Harvard University. <laughs> the real white folks is free enough to let the world see what this woman looked like. And then the interesting thing is the President Jackson, a slave owner, and nobody's ever touched this because they didn't see it. The slave master was replaced by a slave. Wow, man. That wasn't the Baptist church, it's the Catholic church, it's the universal. <laughs> it's karma. You know? Yeah. And so when you sit and you look at it, and then I read all the papers, and then you see the crazy stuff, you see the funny stuff. Plus, celebrity, rich, huh? Black folks do all the dirty words. Anything I want at your house, if you're black, you have a black maid, the bitch you give it to me. Mm. Huh? Hmm? FBI? Oh, before they ever had black folk FBI. All you saw was the agents. Hmm? Back at the headquarters, it was poor black folks with them cheap jobs doing all the research. I get anything out of the FBI wrong. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the reasons that I'm 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 grateful that I get to talk to you this mm-hmm. week. Um there's several things that are going on. Uh, one of which, uh, Showtime, is developing a new TV series with Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. called White Famous, mm-hmm. where he pitched this show about a black comedian who's who's famous among the black audience, but is trying to become white famous. And that's you were the first. Well, let me tell you, what, what you happened. lived that story. Yeah, but not only that. Maybe not intentionally, but no, 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 man, that I just said. An unwritten law that a black comic couldn't work white audience nowhere in America. Yeah. I could sing, I could dance, I could shuffle, but the real white folks knew if I stood there flat-footed, then the rest of them ignorant white folks would find out how brilliant black folks are. But damn, if I've been here millions of years before white folk got here, I have to be smart even if I'm dumb. Okay? Yeah. That's so all they do was took my stuff and use signs. Signs. And changed it. The Lord's Prayer, Our Father. I said, oh, wait, I get the one say, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Who said God was a man? I'm talking about the God that created the wind, the sun, the storm, the rivers, every insect. It never yelled down and said, hey, let me tell you I created the sun, but they're going to tell me I'm a man. Y'all got to be crazy. I grew up thinking that cross was crucified, Jesus on the cross. I thought they made that to kill him, the cross. Mm-hmm. 
I do the research to find out the Romans had to cross a thousand years before Jesus Christ was born. What? Wait, what, what do you mean? Right, they were crucifying all, all sorts of people. Well, the crucifixion, the cross represent you was a traitor to the state. You was a revolutionist. So there wasn't no news, radio, TV, news. You walking down the street with your mother, she's going to get some wheat. Mm -hmm. And you see this man on the cross, and you say, Mommy, what's that? He said, oh, he made the state mad. Well, your mother told you that. Huh? Right. Then the question I ask, oh, wow. Look what them two thieves doing up there. Hmm? See, she just slide it, wasn't it? Right. What them two thieves doing? Uh, then I make it funny. I said, white folks got to be some dumb folks. See, they, they didn't even ask. And then when the one thief said, if you're who you say you are, why don't you? I said, if I'd have been, I'd have killed him right there, burned him in the cross up. <laughs> and then the other one who really pulled black folks like, Father, Father, when you get to heaven, would you remember me? I'd have killed him. You ain't even repented. Pow! So the audience sits there, and you make them laugh. You go up there, your stuff is together, they're going to laugh. Gonna laugh. I mean, why, when black entertainers the old days come out, we clapped at their outfits, huh? Oh. We clapped at their outfits. Why? They changed every song, huh? Mm -hmm. Put a new outfit on. Why? Because I've been going through white nasty bullshit all week. So how do you unclear my mind? Hmm? <laughs> Everybody I know can sing. They can't. They ain't not entertainers. But I ain't seen these outfits. So when black folks used to come out and white folks laugh at them mm -hmm. with the purple hat, the green shirt, red tie, orange shoes. <laughs> okay, white folks. But in order to laugh at this nigga, you got to see me. I stop being visible. Hmm? Now, I didn't, Harvard didn't teach me that. It's universal intelligence. Right. When all black men, 99% of black men, and most of the women had gold in, in their mouth, they were pimps, hustlers, hoes. Hmm. But white folks laugh. <laughs> and why'd I put it there so you could see it right there? And always kept grinning, <laughs> hoping you would see something that you liked before you saw this blackness that you didn't like. Hmm. That's the system. Then you just move the point and make it funny. Just one, one step and make it funny. I didn't know about no writers. Writers what? Huh? And so as I look now and I watch the change, huh? they're not scared of black folks. They're scared of white folks. Hmm? Did you realize in the moment when you started performing at the Playboy Club, did you realize the cultural significance of hmm. that? Hmm. Hmm. That's a luxury you can have. A white That's why boy, I ask you. A white boy said, Irvin Corn, I'm not working seven days. He's free enough to do that. So they called my agent, Joe Glacier, mm -hmm. and they said, will you come in on, on Sunday? And the way that happened, Robert's Show Club is the largest black show club in the world. And because it was brand new, he had more electronic stuff than Vegas had <laughs> because they had built theirs 40, 50 years. 
So Sammy Davis and Frank Sinatra, they would come out there to see these black folks. And so Count Basie, Joe Williams, Sammy Davis, Sarah Vaughn. So the white folk come out. See ya. So I never heard of Nipsey Russell. Who Nipsey Russell? So he was going to be the comic MC. Mm-hmm. So I told Herman Roberts, I said, well, I hope he's going to stay here after the show goes. He said, what do you mean? Because I'm leaving. I stay here not big time. I can showcase my stuff. And you bring somebody in? Oh. So then he said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you just be the MC? So I'm making $10 a night. He said, I'll give you $20. No, I don't want your money. And it's like I work for free because I'm compromising my principles. Hmm. That's why to this day, if you offered me $10 million to MC a show, I say give it to your mama. I've never MC'd a show. So. But I'm there. Then an old black man told me, handyman. He said, if you do two-hour joke, and they say, reduce it down to two minutes. That's all it takes. That's what I learned from them. Two minutes. And they heard it. Half of them heard it. Right. Wow, did you hear what he said? Wow, did you hear what Huh? You know. And so that's why he bought me one night, $50. I couldn't believe it was that much money in the world. And I'm here now because I got off at the wrong bus stop. So I don't hang around with white folks. At all. Different culture. Most of my audience is 80 to 90 percent white folks. The brain says, tell them the truth, and the brain says, but you're not hating us. You see, what white folks don't know, that you can smell white folks' hatred like a cat can smell hatred come from a dog. And I'm just compromising my people. I have to feed my children. So I might spit in your food and piss on your eggs and shit, huh? Do the universe made me feel that, mm-hmm. huh? Do you smell it or do you see it behind their you eyes? You smell it, huh? You smell it. You smell smoke before you see it. Mm-hmm. And if you're ignorant, you say, I smell something like smoke. Have you ever smelled anything <laughs> like smoke that wasn't smoke, huh? Now let me tell you. Where it's going. Hmm? Okay. Tiffany, the queen. Michigan State has the mummy. They found out 2,000 years ago what type of poison they used to kill her. It's still there. Hmm. One day, in order for white folks to get a job anywhere in the world, they're going to have to take a test like they do for drugs to find out your hatred. See, when you deal with the universe, it always comes back. That's not your job. It's the universe. Always come back. So I remember I was at Herman's place, and three white women had been murdered. I didn't know nothing about no lesbian stuff. Or Star Rock was a reservoir. And these three white women was out there hiking in 22 feet of snow. So I just go up with the paper and say, no, I'm telling you niggas how crazy white folks are. These three rich white women, they just arrested uh, 
a little old poor redneck unemployed dishwasher, Richard Speck. Hmm? Now let me tell y'all black folks something. Sex maniacs don't run in pairs, and one man can't rape three women. Hmm? So something's wrong with this story. So now one Saturday night I go in and there's four white men sitting on the front row. I'm not laughing. I said, Boy, y'all got to be, y'all got to have some guns. You sitting there, I got 1,500 black folks sitting here, and you crackers ain't going to laugh? <laughs> Who are you? You figure that out on stage, huh? After I get off, I start walking to the dressing room. One white boy come and grab me. Hey, boy. I said, your fucking mama's a boy. And he goes back. I said, you better use it. You know, I don't have no gun. Don't intend to have a gun. But if you feel that bad and think you got some power, you got to take a nigga like me who ain't got nothing and pull your gun. You must be a sad, ignorant, white motherfucker. So I pulled away to go dressing room. The good cop come up. Hmm. So, man, he's a little hot-headed. I don't want nothing you motherfuckers got all y'all the same. Now the third guy comes in. He says, uh, I can't believe you as low as you are. You? A ignorant nigger hating white man gonna call me low? <laughs> he said, That was my wife, one of them that got murdered. Mm. And this is against the wishes of everybody. I got $5,000 in this suitcase. I'll give it to you if you stop saying, That's when I knew the power. <laughs> Making $5,000 like that? That's when my life changed. <laughs> what? What? And all I did was research. I still do the research. I paid two top scientists a million dollars to come in for two weeks, but they had to do the research at a black hospital. And I figured it out. My mama's, 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 mama's. Eight generations of nannies was giving milk. They milk to white children. I mm. want to know how many generations will it take before y'all become niggas. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't know the science on that. Huh? I don't know the science on that. Well, that's why I went to science. Yeah. I got them. All right. That's what I got them. That's what I used the money for. Now, here's what happened. They said mm. to me, they said, what? first, when I had my spotter locate him, he laughed. He said, uh, it's two top rated authority mm -hmm. on mother's milk. And he said that both of them equal the same. And when you know they men, <laughs> white folks are that ignorant to take a son of a bitch that ain't never had no milk in his titties to be the authority. Okay, so when you start seeing how silly white folks are, then that aura is not there. But I didn't do this my own I did it through research. My mama told me Santa Claus was a white man and she was buying the toys. That's the filth that raised me. Your mother wasn't telling you that crazy shit. My mama was. And that's why I developed the dope. You know, damn good and well, ain't no white man coming in a nigga neighborhood after midnight. Just, 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 you just twist it around because just being truthful and switch it. Just, mm -hmm. hmm? And so when you, you, you stop and you look at I mean, trillions of dollars up. Just America alone has satellites. And they didn't see Malaysian airline? And you white folk buy that bullshit? Huh? 
they can see a net. I mean, hairs that got on the crackers I asked from there. But you white folks, huh? With that influence of hatred, you, you don't have to be hateful. You can be influenced by it, huh? You can be influenced from drinking dirty water. Sure. You can be influenced from dirty air. And you didn't see that? And then they give us this bullshit by Molly. Not Molly, dude. Were the pirates, black folks who were pirates in them ships? In Somalia? Now see, them niggas ain't got five rowboats, and they have terrorized the greatest navy that's ever existed in history. Only you dumb, ignorant white folks who believe some shit like that. Hmm? So one day they did, had the news they stole tanker with a hundred million gallons. <laughs> so I get on the show that night, I said, them niggas wouldn't even know who to call to give it away. Hmm? Then all at once, they did a movie. Right. That's where a Malaysian airline is, but the runway is an old Navy base owned by Britain that we lease so we can do any dirt we want and we don't have to go to no Congress for it. That's what it's about. But the runway wasn't long enough. They had to expand the runway. So when people saw all the white powerful ships out there, they didn't know they was bringing concrete and shit. They just thought they was reacting to it. You know, Dick, you've been able to speak your truth now for some 55 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now, if you go to Caroline's or any comedy club, you'll see all sorts of people telling their truths. But 50 years ago, there weren't that many people, black or white, who were willing to to do that. Yeah. You don't have to what, be many. What, what do you think it was about your... No, no, before you jump. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you jump now. Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm-hmm. Harry, Harry Beecher, Beecher Stowe. Sto yeah. Sold more books around the world at that time than anybody. Hmm? Even Indians, people couldn't read and write, was getting them something about it, right? And then they made a play out of it. Mm -hmm. hmm? Uncle Tom's Cabin. And it traveled around the world. And it got to... Uh, Saigon, and the king said, oh, how much money do I need to put up for you to turn that into a musical? Hmm? The king and I is Uncle Tom's cabin. Hmm. Hmm? <laughs> the king and I is Uncle Tom's cabin. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, why would you? Why would you? Hmm? And so when you stop and think about it, when the big plays on Broadway three years ago, was the Book of Mormons. Sure. That's Uncle Tom's cabin. Huh? That's Uncle Tom's cabin. So I look at you white folks, check these niggas, Harvard and Yale, you ain't learning nothing but some bullshit they teaching you. Hmm? This the only country in the world that have good schools and bad schools. I ain't talking about two black folks. Hmm? You go to Harvard and get a PhD, your brother go to North Carolina and get it. Worldwide, your brother's is worth more than his. But if I go to Ole Miss and get changed for a dollar in dimes, they give me ten dimes. I go to Harvard and get changed for a dollar in dimes, they give me ten. I live in a country that have more unification with dealing with your change for a dollar than dealing with your mind. That country can't last. And what makes it double, they don't know it. They have no idea. So now all at once, when I get to the Playboy Club, after I got off at the wrong stop, 
Wrong side. Mm-hmm. My luck, I didn't have nothing but a quarter. I ain't got no more money. So I walk up to this guy, a Chinese. He don't even speak English. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what the hell? So I stopped another guy, and he said, see, about eight blocks away, see that big Playboy sign? That's it. So I start running, man. Running, had my suit over my arm. Slipping. Now, they found out that room I'm in has been rented out to a southern white frozen food delegation. And so, Hugh Hefner's man that ran the club Mm -hmm. was standing there waiting for me to tell him I didn't have to work. Well, I got there on time. You were going to pay me $50? The other thing I didn't know, you don't get the $50. They send it to your agent. The agent sent it to I wouldn't even have coffee back home. So when I finally get there, the black guy at the door, I said, the carousel, the second floor to the right. As I go up, I see this white man standing in the middle of the floor. I don't know he's the one that runs it and is going to tell me I don't have to work. I push him out the way. <laughs> At 8 o'clock exactly, I jumped up on the stage. That whole shit in my head, niggas can't get to work on time. Hmm? I run, jump up on the stage. Mm-hmm. 8 o'clock, 11.30, he calls Hef, so you better get up, come over here. I'm seeing something. Back. So he get there at 12 o'clock. At mm-hmm. 1 o'clock, I walk off the stage in a new world had been set. I didn't know it. I had no idea. Okay. Underneath me, starting that night, was Aretha Franklin. Played her own piano and sang her song. No, 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 no. So now, now it went so good. Hefner brought me in for two weeks. $250 a week, seven days a week, three shows a night. I didn't know that much money in the world. Oh. So Time Magazine interviews and Time in New York comes out on Sunday. Jack Paul read it. Hmm. Now, I work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Jack Paul's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but Friday he runs reruns. Right. So in five years, I have never missed one of his shows. So Billy Eckstein's sitting with me at the bar like this, and he called Jack Paul, motherfucker. Man, I almost want to jump on him. He said, yeah, man, he ain't never let a nigga sit on the couch. I didn't know that. I'm not mad at Jack Paul. I'm mad at me. I've watched it five years, and I didn't know that. So I walked about 90 blocks home from that little black club, cried all the way. Didn't say nothing to my wife. I was embarrassed, humiliated. Okay? That Billy X-9 told me that. And he not told me that we wouldn't be sitting here now. Because my wife said, great, great, great. It's a par show. So I get on to Dick. Uh, I miss the songs on Paul's producer. Have you read this article that Time Magazine did on him? He's never seen anything like it in his life. Hmm. We won't know if we can get you on the show. I said, no, I don't want to work this show. I hung up. Now Paul called. <laughs> Dick Gregory is Mr. Paul. I know you think this is a prank. No, 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 no. I believe it. Why you don't want to work my show? Because the Negro's never been able to sit down on the couch. And I hung up. He called back again. He says, come on in tonight. You can sit down. Hmm? 
So me and my wife go in. And I'm explaining to her why I never told her. And why I never mentioned this till Pa died. Because if I, black, super nigga, <laughs> look at the show and didn't see it, there's a possibility he didn't know it neither. Sure. You hear me? Yeah. That's my fairness. Hmm? I sit down on that show here in New York City. NBC's phone circuits blew out. So many calls was coming in from around the country. Letters start coming that sent to the house. I didn't know black children and white children were the same. So I had me a little piece that when I was sitting on the couch, I talk about my children, throw the little funnies in, da 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 da. All of that. I had no idea this. And then from that, that, no. Black comics. It's a premium. Nah, they found out nappy hair cured cancer. Shit, we can live in any white neighborhood we want. Why you niggas wearing locks on your caps? Hmm? <laughs> okay, so that's what happened. So then, Nipsey Russell and them, who had been out there 30 years. And the only way white folks in, they got to come up to Harlem after they slumming, after they took their wives and their daughters home from the prom. Hmm? Mom, mom's mainly too. Huh? Yeah, yeah, all of them. But none of them. None of them could Red work. Fox was just party records. Huh? Red Fox was just party records. No, no. Nobody, white people didn't know. Yeah. They couldn't. No, white folks wasn't buying that shit. I'm going to buy party records. See, you thinking about technology now. Nobody yeah. knew them niggas even existed. I right? know. It took, okay. it took a few more years before they and got the so, breakthrough. No, it didn't. When they saw what was happening here, yeah. then they went out. It's a premium on them now. Huh? And then everything started. Started, 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 started. And out of that came black producers, black writers, huh? black directors, everything. Yeah. From that one man, not me, Hugh Hefner. 99% of nightclubs in America was owned by the mob. This little frail Popeye-looking <laughs> guy with a pipe yeah. changed the whole thing around. One person, Will Smith alone. His movies that he's done, not comedy, mm -hmm. have brought the company over $9 trillion. Not to him. That's what this is. When you sit and you look at the industry, the industry, what happened. So that's what, that's what it was about. The whole thing changed. Yeah. One person, not me, half not. Although it was you who... I didn't see... Don't, don't tell was, me. I know. You can't sit and tell me what the fuck. You just told me that there it was, was you comics. who got up on stage. No, but I said, he brought me in. Yeah. I, I'm stupid enough to listen to you and believe that I was brilliant. They've always had brilliant comics. They just couldn't get through. A guy came to me and said, man, look at this Miles Davis stuff, man. Yeah. What, uh, Davis wasn't shit. None of them black jazz was his shit. Nina Simone, a black woman, cussed out a whole state, Mississippi, goddamn. Huh? Lady Day talked about niggas hanging from the Not one black jazz man. Fuck them. Oh, they get up on stage and tell white folks to come and see them to kiss their ass. But this woman, way back then, was talking about lynching. Okay? See, people see what they want to see. Hmm? But they don't see what's there because we so programmed. To the bullshit. And so when, when, it, when it came through, what am I? I'm a turtle. Hmm? See, I didn't know when I'm looking at the uh, 
when I'm looking at the uh, dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. The dinosaurs have been gone off this planet three trillion years. Long time. And when I saw the dinosaurs, it was bigger than hotels. <laughs> Nasty, fighting one another. But I didn't learn until I did the research that when the dinosaurs was here, so was the butterfly. So was the turtle. They coexisted. And they still here. Still here. They survived, yeah. Okay. Nice, kind, beautiful. So the butterfly is the woman. Well, she starts off being a caterpillar. Nobody's ever touched a caterpillar and felt good. <laughs> she kept walking, mm-hmm. got to that tree. That cocoon heated up, and then it cracked, and out come this beautiful. Hmm? The butter, the, the, the turtle, all the turtle did, hard on the outside, soft on the inside, and willing to stick their neck out. That's me, and I'll claim credit for that anytime. I'm not claiming credit for all this other shit. Okay. I had nothing to do with it. I went out there. When I went to Mississippi, I didn't go to tell no jokes. I was ready to die. Huh? I'm scared. I kiss my wife goodbye in case I don't see her, knowing I wouldn't see her. I don't do that when I walk up on the stage. Whole different, different. I'm a soldier, man. It's an insult. If your wife got an organization, your mother, on how to do this thing for women, and I go there telling Joe, fuck you, nigga. This ain't no joking matter. Dr. King. John Wayne was my hero, man. Movies. So this is, you right and they wrong, they want to kill them. King said, no, no, no. King, what the? I never thought I'd see today. Not only would I throw my guns away, I tell you I'd rather be killed by somebody than kill somebody. I learned that from the movement. No writers wrote that for me. I wrote that. If you saw the movie Django. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. That's a real story. Yeah. That white boy's hip enough to know if I said it was real, I'd be attacked. But if I put it out there just as fiction. Hmm. My thing was, I'm thinking about, when I looked up to see who is Fox. His real name is Dangerfield. A black man. My wife, he had a letter in his pocket. Why'd they keep that letter? What is that about? Why did they keep that letter? So when you looked at it, Dangerfield Newbie was the guy. That's who he was playing. Huh? Why did they keep the letter? The sheriffs couldn't read or write. So if I was your slave and I cut away and he said, Aren't you contributing? Yes, sir. Where you going? He gave me my freedom. You got the letter? I just had Man. somebody go in the house and steal any letter and show that <laughs> motherfucker. He can't read. You better be glad you. You know. Hockey, ice hockey, mm-hmm. wasn't invented by black runaway slaves in Canada. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Then a guy named Richard Stanley came and looked mm-hmm. and put a name on it. That's what this shit's about, man. And so it's funny when you twist it, but you got to get the facts first and then twist it. And then I just walked off stage. Mm-hmm. They'd never seen nothing like it. Slowed my temple down. Huh? You ever been to a Catholic church? You ever been to a Baptist church? Them niggas be screaming and hollering Catholic church. Why? Because they don't go through what we go through. 
The choir got to come out there and get that shit out your head. That's what it means, preaching to the choir. Before he gets into the thing, he preached to the choir. It was a bad day till the people get there. I'd, I'd be and if you want to hear some funny stuff, <laughs> the preachers. Yeah. You can't get no funny than Malcolm X was. <sighs> Jesus, was he funny. You just listen to him. But he wasn't a comic because the rhythm wasn't there, just sitting there. And so that's... The timing. The timing. Yeah. The timing. It was you too. You know how to breathe. You know how to do this. You know how to do that. Now we sit and watch you, and you make it look so easy. We think anybody can do it. You can't. Speaking of uh, somebody who wasn't technically a comedian, but certainly knew how to stick his neck out and, and put words together, Muhammad Ali... Who just died? What did you What did you think when this kid? Cause he was, what nine years younger than you? What did you think when this kid stuck his neck out? And we didn't see him sticking his neck out. No athlete sticks their fucking neck out, huh? Then what do you do with all the real freedom fighters, huh? Huh? That's a white privilege you can have. Hmm? Here's what he did. The guy just came and interviewed me last year. Mm-hmm. White guy. Five-year contract to do a book on Ali. What most black folks and white folks don't know, you as a writer know it. When you follow me around, I can't lie to you. I can't lie to you for five years. <laughs> a quick interview, I threw some bullshit out there. Sure. So, for... All of this time. So I said, uh, let me ask you a question, man. Everybody that made it big, good, or big, bad, that something in their life happened. You've been with him now for three years. Have you found out what it was? First time I heard. He said, well, tell me some of the things. He said, well... His daddy bought him a bicycle for his birthday. He drove downtown and came out the back. It was gone. He panicked. Huh? I would tell my dad this, huh? So he's running through the community looking for the bike, and he sees this place with the door. He's going there. It's a white cop that's running a gym. And he said, Tom, Tom. You fight? No. That's how it happened. The bike was stolen. Hmm. And he was looking for the bike. Hmm. Now, he's out there, just like the rest of them. The gangsters control the shit. Most of your fights is fixed. Sure. So he get out there, and he's just so happy to have my bike back, man. Then all at once things started and things started. Then Islam came. And let me tell you something about Islam. I got black aunts and nephews and grandmothers. They never gonna be nothing but a Christian, but they stopped eating pork because of the Muslims. That had never happened. Huh? You hear me? White folks don't have to see that. Black, I saw it. Hm. Yeah, but that pork is bad for you. 
Yeah, that, that, you know. And so I'm saying, oh, wow, wait a minute. And then he met Malcolm. And here's the thing. As glamorous as Malcolm was when the split came between him and Mo. Elijah, he sided with Mo Elijah because he was into the church, not a personality. Huh? And then things changed. He never heard a black man talk the way they talked and live. Hmm? Live. Right. He never heard that. And he's there. That's where he got it. Now, what he did, something that a white boy never did. Want to fight? And there's interviewing him. He said, no, no, we're going to talk about the honor of Elijah Muhammad. Hmm? No, no, not on this year. Well, you can't talk to me. That's, huh? You got no formal education. Go to Harvard, Yale, and speak, huh? Because they found something that you don't find in athletes, huh? But the only way he was there was because his glamour. Talking this shit. Niggas talk that shit, man. Talk that shit, man. Hey, man, that nigga's rapping his ass off. Da, 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 da. Hmm? And so from that, it went to bigger and bigger and bigger. And now he got something that they can't fuck with. Islam. Okay? That's how he blossomed. And then when people, Al Sharpton, white folks thought he was a buffoon until he ran for president. And they saw how clever and witty this motherfucker was. Man, they didn't have no other reason to think about it. So then he just moved higher and higher and higher. Then the government got scared of him. Hmm? Because there was 3.5 movement. Yeah. 3.5 billion Muslims. Yeah. 3.5 Muslims listening to him. Huh? And so the government got scared because they're trying to fuck the Muslims. I can't do this. If we don't stop this shit. Okay? And so that's what happened. And so so then the Supreme Court came in and threw the case. You know, ain't no way in the world all them cold-blooded, nasty white boys on the Supreme Court. Huh? It's going to do that. On this. When Clinton, when Clinton let not Clinton Kennedy mm-hmm. let them crackers in Mississippi suspend the food stamps so niggas would stop trying to register so I go in and I held press conference I said I'll send you 70 tons of food every two weeks I'm paying for it then I hear later that the State Department got upset. They said, he's messing us up around the world. So they lifted it. They lifted it. Huh? That's what that was used for. Huh? Every. I went to Iran, stayed there nine months fasting. Hmm? Fasting. Now something happened. In America, we fast 24 hours a day. See, I never understood why Gandhi got so much praise when he just fasted 13 days. I didn't know to fast on water is a water diet. 
Hmm? Right. To fast on fruit is a fruit giant. To fast means to abstain from. When they talk about the story of Jesus, that was 40 days. He wouldn't eat nothing. Huh? Then you sit and you look and you say, wow, man, what is this? And so when I looked at what Ali was able to do. Now, I want to get close to him to tell him about his food. I don't want to know about food. Huh? So I buy me a Rolls Royce so he don't think I'm coming for something. <laughs> he respected me. Mm-hmm. The reason so many black entertainers have to respect me because they white agents. First, I hope you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's how it happened. It's a bunch of things that come together, come together, come together. And then all at once, it was there. Now, you got a lot of black athletes that they give money, but don't nobody know it. No, no, you got to let me know so I can be the example. You know how many black folks didn't get into drugs and alcohol because Ali didn't get into it? Hmm? And then you saw this brilliant mind. All of us is brilliant until I go, look, 98% of all the black folks on this planet live within two miles of water. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Ocean streams. That's not reflected in the Olympic swimming. Huh? No, Why? it's not. Because the rules change. I'm up, I'm up with my daughter and my mother, and, and we up three mountains high and jump off. Now I get in the Olympics, they got me on a goddamn board, and I got to come down three times before I'm, uh-huh, oh, wait a minute, hold it. See how it works? That's how it works. And so consequently, he was able, after he survived, huh? He was reading shit in the white press about him. That was so, he got mad. And now look at the papers today. Look at the papers today. He survived it. He did something that white folk would be scared to do. He gave it up. Now the reason he had the money problems is because Catholic Church they can give a billion dollars, mm-hmm. or you can give it to them, right off on your income tax. They said Elijah Muhammad was hate, so he didn't. He so all the money Ali was giving them from the fights, they couldn't be used as a write-off. Hmm? Couldn't be used as a write-off. And so consequently, as you see it going and see it going and see it going, one of the great lessons I learned, man, a white billionaire loved me. I'd go to Cleveland and do this thing for him mm-hmm. every every year. And he told me, some man, have I got a problem? I said, my sister's daughter got married, and we all went to the funeral. And my daughter, 55 years old, said, Dad, where are the black folks? I said, what do you mean? How come ain't no black folks here? He said, oh, this is a family th- Dad, I'm asking, how come ain't no black folks? If it ain't no black folks here, something here ain't right. Five years old. He was vice president of one of the biggest industries in the world. And he came to me, man. He said, man, this thing is changing. Whew. That's how I knew. On them old records where these white children were going. Huh? Now, that don't mean they're pure. Right. If I had to take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people that has ever lived... And listen in order, Jesus would not be number one. John Brown would be number one. The greatest movement was the abolitionary movement, but black folk couldn't be part of it. Did you hear me? 
Yeah, I said, y'all too childlike. Mm-hmm. You hear me? And so when you sit and you look at that Ali, nothing. And one thing about this white boy, who most white folks don't know, they never said Ali will kill you. They said we're gonna shut your mouth, didn't it? <laughs> didn't it? And so it was that just that whole piece. I knew him, man. I knew him. I ran from L.A. to New York, and, and he said every time he's not training, or sometime he'd be out there when he's running, so he came back doing 50 miles a day for 71 days. Downtown City Hall, L.A. to downtown City Hall. Hear me good now. New York. Hmm? New York. Yeah. Now watch this now. So... That means you're doing 50 miles a day, but you got the soap in Epsom salt. Out in them rural areas, they ain't got nothing but showers. <laughs> so I had to make go extra 100 miles. Hmm? Then I had to have my people walk the route to make sure that I didn't step in a hole on the side of the road. I did all of that. Hmm? All of that. And so now what happened is Ali comes back. And I said, Ali is a white woman, man, at the hospital. She said she knows she's dying, but... She sure would like to talk to you. Now, by the time we up in Albuquerque, she said, let's go. We got in the van and drove to the hospital. This old redneck, nigger-hating white woman. You don't need no test. You see it on He walked in there and said, come here, honey. Picked her up, kissed her, and said, am I pretty? <laughs> that was at 11 o'clock. At 6 o'clock that night, he's still there showing rope-a-dope tricks to her. Hmm. That leaves and comes out. So that's what happened. Is that true? Okay. And so this is what it's about. This is, this is what we looking at the other day. When he died, it wasn't no drug overdose. It wasn't no car accident in the bed. Peaceful. So what I'm trying to get a guy to do now for me is Louisville, Kentucky. It's known by horse. Look, people shocked to know that's where he's from. They know where he's from. Didn't care. Right. Them racehorse. I'm trying to get me a picture. I think I got it. This guy's coming out the... Guy's coming out the barn. Horses. (laughs) I want that same picture, but on Ali's face on all the horses. (laughs) Smiling, and then in the sky, where the sun is, it's Ali looking down. That's who he was. Nothing. There are no words in the English language that can describe what he did to the world. Ali. No guns. No threatening nobody. Just that. Put his little piece together. This niggas all over America can do that shit. Right. Rhyme and rhyme, da da da. And so that's what we just witnessed. And then to look at the paper. Do you see the picture in the New York Times today? I didn't. Oh. I saw a lot of things on the internet. Oh. Oh. Man, look right here. That's Daily News. No, no, forget yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Huh? Oh, wow. Huh? <laughs> okay. 
this is what happened when you give me some time to figure out who is this man. They never had him busted at some rowdy party. Hmm? Who is this man? So that's what we witnessing. That's what we witnessing. Man. And so, you know, just listening to you, huh? you, know, you ought to do a book on it. Coming from beauty about beauty. Hmm? Hear me. The market's already there. Hmm? You know how to do the research. Hmm? And you know the serious comments. Go ask them what you think about. Hmm? I mean, we're also seeing history rewrite the book on Bill Cosby, too. No, they didn't. No, well, they didn't. a white racist just don't give a damn who a nigga fucking. Huh? You know that. Yeah. Huh? He violated white supremacy and didn't know it. Him and Ed Weinberger was going to buy NBC. They said, he can, but you can. And that's when they killed his son. Hmm? Ennis, yeah. Hmm? Okay. Nah. It ran him crazy. Because that car he bought his son was the only car that had ties that reboot themselves. Most of them got it. Nah. So he knew it was impossible for that time. <laughs> okay? When they found him out there, he had $6,000 cash, all his credit cards, all his cell phone. Hmm? You know, Robert? Then we followed up the little German uh, immigrant they arrested mm-hmm. for killing him. We checked him out. He was in Mexico City that night. Hmm? Now, what happened this last time around? Discovery Channel's bankrupt. He was putting the game to get, to get that. Pow! No, you not. Hmm? No, you not. Hmm? See how it works? See how it works? That's what that's about. You give a damn about. Hmm? What? King, the most hated man on the planet. After he was killed. Girl didn't understand what I was saying. I was in California on my way to a college, and I said, oh, God, let him die. Hmm? See, if Wallace would have died when he was shot, he had bridges named after him. It's something about death. (laughs) (laughs) He was able to do that while he was alive. King wasn't. So that's what what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. That's what I take up on that stage tonight. Hmm? This human being, man. No, no formal education. <laughs> Family didn't have none. Just stuff that thing come out of him. How often do you get up on stage? Huh? How often do you get up on stage? I do 250 dates a year. That's pretty impressive. Well. For, for 83. Well, somebody said, how, how, you, how you getting along with the weather? Ain't nothing wrong when you live next to the bank. Ask them billionaires up in North Pole, how come they don't leave in the wintertime? <laughs> Have you ever heard of a tornado hitting the bank? Mm. You ever heard of a hit a prostitute's house and you hear the whole say, my money was just blowing down? No, come on. <laughs> uh, well, Dick, I know you have to get back up on stage, so I thank you for, for sitting here. Okay. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. 
The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, local by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first.